this is fun. And we look at that, we look at the principle that we're talking about this morning and the title of today's sermon, and, and you, might, you might say to yourself, how, how do you ever put those two words together, hate well? How is it possible for somebody to hate well? I mean, hate's a, you might be thinking, hate's a, that's a bad thing. That's something you never want to do. Look at all the harm that, that hate's done to people in our world, still doing to people in our world today. So, Steve, how is it possible to hate well? And what, I, what I'd like us to see this morning is that it's not only possible, it's, it's even more than that. It's hate. Hating well is, a, is one of the most crucial aspects of a good person's character. Because the truth is, what you hate says a lot about who you are, what you value, what's, what's most important to you, and how you hate really says much about how well you're going to succeed in life. And uh, so I, I love this sixth principle. I, uh, I believe in it. And, it, it, and, and so here's the, here's, the, here's the statement, the principle I'm going to put in front of us today. Hate the right things in the right way. Hate the right things in the right way. And it's really got two sides to it. The first side is hate the right things. So what we're talking about there is what you hate. And, and the second side to it is that you want to do it in the right way, how you do it. So what we're going to do this morning is I'm going to, I'm going to wrap for you both, both sides of that principle. But I thought about this. Uh, I, I think, first of all, before we even begin, it's really important that you understand what I'm talking about when we talk about this, this thing called hate, this word hate. And to understand that while it's true that there's a, there, there's a, there's a whole lot of, of deep feeling and passion in that word, it has absolutely nothing to do with any kind of destructive anger. In fact, it's very much the opposite. It, if, if you're hating something, if you hate well, what, what you're really doing is you're hating anything that is destructive to yourself or to another person. You're taking a stand against those kind of things. You, you, you hate anything that, that limits your potential or the potential of another person to be able to really maximize the one life that God's given you to live. You, you hate anything that diminishes you as a person or diminishes another person. You, you hate anything that prevents someone from being able to experience uh, the, the absolute joy of, of having loving relationships, good, strong, healthy relationships. So that's what this principle is all about. And it's, uh, without a doubt, it's, it's Everything in it is that God cares for us and God loves us and God wants the very best for us. And so I can tell you this morning, it is a privilege for me to be able to share this principle with you and talk it through with you. So let's, let's begin with the first half, hate, hate the right things. And, and I think it's kind of fun to think about what people hate and, and what people love. And so let, let me just ask you, how many, how many of you love country music? Raise your hands, you know. Right, you would say, how can you not love it with lyrics like this? I, you know, I keep forgetting I forgot about you. I mean, how can you not? You're, or, or how can I miss you when you won't go away? You know, how can you not love country music, you know? And now others of you would say, that's why I hate country music, is lyrics like that. How many of you would say that you love sushi? All right? Yeah. How many of you say, I hate it? Yeah. See, I don't understand it. 
In my mind, it's like someone's got to put a flame on that stuff, you know? How, how, how many of you would say that you hate reality TV? Man, you'd say, yeah, give me, give me drama, give me comedy, but don't make me watch, you know, reality TV. But then there's others of you. Let me ask you, how many of you, you would say, oh, man, I love it. I love Survivor, I love Bachelor, I love Duck Dynasty, I love Honey Boo Boo. It's all good, you know. I, I, love, I love reality TV, you know. How many of you wonder, what's all the hype about Apple products? Yeah, like why? Why would anybody stand in line to buy an iPhone? I love my Android, you know, like, what's, what's it all about? How, how many of you would say, on the other hand, oh, I love my iPhone, huh. I love my iPad, I love my MacBook Pro, you know? I mean, you know, that's me. I love, I love it. There was a day when I made fun of it, okay? You know what the truth is? Uh, in large part, we're defined by what we love, and by what we hate. Both of those are like a window into a person's character. Now, what we love and what we hate. I mean, I, I can tell you right now what, what we love. Ed, what you love, you tell me what you love, and I, I'll tell you, I can tell you what you invest your life in. What you give your time to and, and your resources to and your energy to. And, and really, the same thing is, is true of hate. What you hate says, says a lot about you. But let's say, for example, I brought, let's say I brought one of you up on the platform with me. And I uh, had you stand up here. And, and I went through this list. And, and uh, arrogance and, and deceit and innocent people killed and, and wicked schemes and evil deeds and slander. And gossip, and 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 I asked I asked somebody they were standing up here, and I said, "What do you think of those things?" And they said, "I hate those things." What would you What would you think of somebody like that? You'd respect them, right? You'd trust them. You'd You'd say, "I mean, because all of those things are are destructive to people." And you'd say, "Man, I I I'd want that kind of a person to be a friend in my life because I know that they would do the the exact opposite in their relationship with me, and I know they'd do everything they could to protect me from any one of those things." Now, you know what's so great about this? Uh, if if for that person. Uh, the same thing is true of God. Here's what Solomon uh, wrote about God in the sixth chapter of Proverbs. He said, there are, there are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a, a heart that devises wicked schemes, Feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. See, we need to know scriptures like this because it's so easy to get hyped up about things that really do not matter. 
And all the time that we're doing this, we miss what, what, totally, what truly matters to God. I mean, it, it, it is so easy to go through a lifetime sweating the small stuff. And when we're doing that, missing the big stuff. And when we do that, it's really a very tragic thing to do. And it's a total waste of a person's life. So we read those verses, and there's no missing what God hates. Just absolutely no missing it. In fact, that the, the one word in there that in the, in the Hebrew that's translated as detestable, uh, that means that it's, it, every one of those things on that list are disgusting to God. They're, they're, um, they're, they're abhorrent to God. They, they make God nauseous. Or you could say it this way, every one of them make God want to vomit. That, that's how much God despises each one of those things. Now, before we go into this, there's two things I want to mention. It's so important, everybody, and this is probably one of the most important things I'm going to say this morning. It is so important that you and I understand why it is that God hates that stuff so much. And here's the statement. God hates those things so intensely because God loves us so much. God absolutely hates anything that will be destructive to any one of our lives. It's, it's the same thing for if you're a parent, is how we feel about anything that would, would harm our children. We, we hate those things. And, and, and everything in us wants to keep those kind of things out of our children's lives and keep our children away from them. We want to protect them. So keep that in mind as I go through each one of these. It's, it, it's because God's totally for us. It's it's not because God's against us that he hates these things. So keep that in mind. And then, here's the thing to do. As I go through each one of these, you, use them as a checkpoint for your own life. Ask yourself, are any one of these true of me? Or even ask yourself the question, are any of them true of somebody who's very close to you? Somebody you care about, all right? Because we don't live, we, 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 we must not only think about ourselves, we got to think and, and care for other people. So we got to hate what's destructive to other people. So let, let each one of them be a trigger to alert you to something that's very dangerous, like this huge red flag that you put in front of yourself. So let's look at each one. First of all, uh, arrogance. Uh, arrogance. Here's what um, Solomon said about this. He said, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. They make him want to vomit. And the first one is haughty eyes. And, and, and Paul used, or, or, or Solomon used that description for somebody who's, who's arrogant because what you're talking about is somebody that, that just loves looking down on other people. They, they pretty much got this, this mindset that they're, they're better than most everybody on planet Earth. And so they're always looking down on other people. And I think there's some indicators of someone who's like this. If, if you're having a conversation with them, for example, it, it doesn't take long until they begin criticizing other people. I mean, it, it, they, 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 they pick other people apart very quickly in, in a conversation. I, I, see this, I see this happening. The other thing about them is that they, um, they, 
because they, 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 they think they're so much better than other people, they pretty much don't really like that many people. And so they really don't want to have a lot to do with other people. They, they, they don't have much given them. The other thing about them, if you're, if you're having a conversation, it's pretty typical that the, they dominate the conversation by talking about themselves. And if they, if they do ask you anything about you, you can pretty much tell that they're not really caring all that much because there's never a follow-up question. You know, they never ask you anything more. It's kind of like they ask you the question, but they're already thinking about what they're going to tell you about themselves. Anybody ever experience that? But there's two things that are most serious, most deadly about this for the person who's arrogant. All right? It's number one, their self-centeredness. Life's always about them, and, and they'll do most anything they can to get what they want for themselves. So they're self-centered, and the other thing about them is that they're unwilling to admit that they've done wrong when they've done, when they've done wrong. I mean, you, 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 it's rare that you ever hear them say, I'm sorry, okay? I'm sorry. You're right. I'm wrong. I did wrong, okay? Definitely a dangerous place to be. So dangerous. In fact, that Solomon wrote this, he said, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. The second one is deceit. And so Solomon goes on and, and he writes this, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him, haughty eyes and a lying tongue. You know, I'd, 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 I'd do a show of hands here, I'd ask, is there anybody here? I'd ask this question, but I'm not going to. Okay, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I'd, I thought about asking the question, is there anybody here who's never lied? But if I asked that question and somebody raised their hand, I'd go like, really? <laughs> You're kidding, you know? I mean, lying, I mean, have you noticed that lying is something you don't have to teach your children to do? How, how is hardwired hard, hard into our sinful nature? I mean, you know, like, for example, your, your son or daughter, you, you've made a, a piece of cake, uh, 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 a cake, chocolate cake, and you told them, don't eat any of it, okay? This is, and, and then you're gone, and you come back, and you walk, they come walking into the room or whatever, there's chocolate all over their face, and you say, did you have a piece of that chocolate cake? Oh, no, no, you know, and right? I mean, th that's the kind of thing we're talking about here. But you know what? It's one thing to do it as a child. It's another thing to do it as an adult. And unfortunately, and I think it's so unfortunate, it's become an acceptable thing with so many people. I, I, I'll bet you, you could do a survey and ask people whether or not lying's an okay thing to do. And I think most people would probably say, yeah, it's an ex it, it's, they would almost say it's a necessary part of life. It's just something you've got to do to make it, you know. Especially they, they lie about this thing that there's a, a little white lie, you know. That's one of the big lies out there. The truth is it almost always comes to our pride. Lying is very much connected to pride or arrogance because if, if you're a proud person, then you will lie to make yourself look better or to cover yourself for something that you did wrong. It's a, you, you use it to make excuses and make yourself look better, okay? Now, to really grasp how serious lying is as far as God is concerned, uh, you need to understand who you're keeping company with. 
none other than Satan himself. Here, here's, what, here's how Jesus, in a conversation he had with the Pharisees, who were pretty good liars, and he called them hypocrites, in fact. Here, here's what Jesus said about Satan. He said, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he's a liar and the father of lies. So how, how seriously should we take lying? I, I'd say pretty seriously. Okay? Next one is innocent people killed. Innocent people killed. And so uh, Solomon writes all, all that he writes that I've read so far, and then he comes down and he said, hands that shed innocent blood. I thought about this. You know, you know, you know isn't it true how I think, I think sometimes because we've got the media that we have and we can see things over and over again, I think in some ways with all the violence and the suffering and the killing that's taking place in our world these days, it's possible to almost become immune to it. It's possible where you see, you see pictures of, of the suffering of other people, innocent people being killed. You see that happen so many times that, that you almost begin not to notice it any, anymore. You know, I, um, to be very honest, I think there are, there, there's too many little things, things that don't matter that we get so concerned and focused on these days. Little, little stuff that we use so much emotion over. Silly little stuff. And, and this is where we need to hear a scripture like this scripture today. You know, that emphasizes what it is that God hates so, so that what gets our, our attention isn't, isn't little silly, selfish stuff, but really life-threatening issues. Like the fact that fellow believers in Jesus Christ are suffering and dying because of their faith in Jesus Christ all over our world today. See, we've got to watch ourselves so that we do not make the same mistake that, that people made back during World War II in Germany and in other countries where, where Jewish people were being put to death. All the atrocities that were, were happening and people went on as if, you know, as, as if nothing, they lived their lives as if none of that was happening. We've got to watch out for that. So that we don't make the same mistake today. Here, here's where the words of, of someone like Dietrich Bonhoeffer are so important for us to hear. Where, where he said, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Evil. The next one, and I, I put two together actually, is wicked schemes and evil deeds. So Solomon writes this and it goes through all that list, and then he, he, he writes, as a heart, a heart that devises wicked schemes and feet that are quick to rush into evil. God hates every form of evil. But what that statement is telling us is that God especially hates it when someone is scheming evil when they're plotting it and they're planning it. And God hates it when, when someone is, is quick to, to run into evil, where they just, they're eager to do it. They want it to be a part of their life. 
whatever form that evil takes. The last two I put together also, and that's slander and, and gossip. And I, I, let's define each one first to make sure we understand what they, what they mean. I think slander is pretty easy. It, it's whenever uh, you say something that's false about another person that, that, that damages their reputation. You, you make them, you, you tell a lie. You say something that isn't true. And as a result of that, everybody that looks at that person looks at them in a different way. They, they see them as a, a bad person. They, it's like it taints their reputation. I think Rick Warren, when we talk about gossip, I think he might have one of the best definitions I've, I've heard about gossip. I'm going to leave this up here for a minute so you can really sink in. He said, when we are talking about a situation with somebody who is neither part of the problem, okay, they're not part of the problem, or part of the solution, then we're probably gossiping, okay? Just let that... Read that one again to yourself, okay? We're talking about a situation with somebody who is neither part of the problem or part of the solution, then we're probably gossiping. You know, I, I think we all agree. Uh, there's really no debate that slander is a, is a bad thing. It's an evil thing. I think sometimes we minimize how evil gossip really is. And that's why I'm so thankful that it's included in this list of things that God absolutely hates that makes God want to vomit. And so it's that whole statement. And then we come down to this. And this is slander and gossip. Slander is a false witness who pours out lies. And gossip is in this next one. A man or a woman who stirs up dissension among brothers. There's nothing like gossip to stir up dissension and, and separate people from each other. God cannot stand. God hates. It makes God want to vomit when we slander somebody else or when we gossip about somebody else. I think there's, there's possibly two reasons why slander and gossip made, made it on this short list of what God hates. And the first reason is God hates it when we make his children look bad. God hates it when we make his children look bad. I tell you, you, can, you could slander and you can gossip about me and it'll be very upsetting to me, but you slander or you gossip about one of my children and I'm fighting mad. It just fires me up. And that's something that you and I have got to think about. Anytime we slander or we gossip about another person, we got to understand that makes God fighting mad. It fires God, God, God up big time. Okay? Number two, I think God hates both so much because it's a reflection of the darkness and the sinfulness of the human heart. You know, even though slander and gossip are things that are so harmful. You know, sometimes there's, you know, I think you'd all agree, there, in, in a sick kind of a way, there's something appealing about participating in something that's so destructive. Uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 8, uh, says this way, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They're like the, like the best piece of cake or piece of pie. They go down to the inmost parts. 
I'd be interesting. Now, I'd take a few minutes and ask, uh, you know, we could, I could go around and say, you know, why have you ever gossiped? Or why have, why, what would you think might make you enjoy to hear gossip about another person? I, I, I think sometimes we like it because it makes us look better. Or we, we like it because it makes us feel important. Somebody else trusted us. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm not going to, you know, keep this to yourself. I'm not going to tell anybody else, but I trust you. Have you ever had anybody say that to you? It's like, red flag, red flag, you know, the alarms are going off. I, I, this is the conversation I should stop right now kind of, kind of a thing. Or I think sometimes if somebody's honest, they would have to say, my life is so boring that, I, you know, a little juicy bit of gossip is like entertainment for me. Okay? Here's the bottom line. There's no good reason for it. And any reason I might have or you might have for, for doing it is a reflection of the darkness of my own heart. So that's the first half of the principle. Hate, hate the right things, hate the right things in the right way. Hate the right things. And the right things are the things on this list. Arrogance, deceit, innocent people killed, wicked schemes, evil, evil deeds, and slander, and gossip. So that's the first half. Now let's look, let's look at the second half of that principle. Hate the right things in the right way. Okay? So it's not only important what you hate, but it's also important how you hate. Okay? So first thing. First thing we got to do, if we're going to have a conversation with somebody about something like any one of those things that, that are so harmful, so destructive, the first thing we got to do is take a look inside ourselves. We got to do what Jesus Christ told us to do when he made this statement in, in Matthew chapter 7. He said, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, he was talking about a speck in somebody's eye when he said that. I think the same thing holds true when there really is a log in somebody else's life, when, when, when one of those sins that God hates so much is a part of who they are, they're doing it, they're, they're destroying themselves, they're destroying other people, and so it's imperative that we have that conversation with them. But what, what Jesus Christ said, before you do that, you've got to look inside yourself. You've got to be honest with yourself. You've got to be willing to look, you know, what kind of sin is in my life that I'm condoning, and you need to repent of that sin and turn from it. So that's, that's number one, okay? Now, there are times, there are times then when you got to have that conversation with somebody. And when you do that, hating the right things in the right way means hating in a way that has the potential to help another person. You want, you want to do it so you help that person. You don't, want to, you don't want to destroy them in the way in which you do it. You want to, you want to help them. And so here's where I would say, and I actually said it to somebody yesterday, recommended, recommend Dr. Cloud's book. It's that, that, that eighth chapter where he deals with this principle, it's a great chapter. You want to read it. Okay, so 
He says, he says a lot of good stuff, but here's what I want to say to you this morning about this. Here's, here's my counsel on how to do this well. First of all, number one, do a careful check on your motivation for wanting to talk to another person about their sin. Why are you doing it? Makes all the difference. And don't even think about talking with them if it isn't out of, hell, out, of, out of love and with a sincere desire to help that person, you know? So, for example, for example, I'm convinced that the Spirit of God not only led the writers of Scripture to write what they wrote, but to write it the way they wrote it. So they said what they said when they said it. So let me, let me show you an example of this. Uh, Paul in Romans chapter 12 said, love must be sincere. Notice that? Love must be sincere. And then he said, hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. And then he said, be devoted to one another in what? Brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. I, I, re I read that, and what I, what I see is that, that love is like bookends on both sides of this thing of hating what is evil. And so first of all, you've got to look at your motivation. All right? Second, I think this is very practical. Go into your conversation with three things. The right attitude, the right approach, and with the right result in mind. So let's look at each one of these. So first of all, the right attitude, which is humility. And here's what he said. So he, he makes this statement, and the first half of that is in white. But at the very end, he said, but watch yourself or you also may be tempted. If, <clears throat> if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. So the right attitude there is humility. Okay, so you're not going into it like with a big head. Okay, the second one is the right, right approach, which is, which is gentleness. Okay, so you, you want to be gentle. And so here's what he said. He said, brothers, if someone's caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. You know, what, you know what gentleness is? It's this loving uh, mix, this loving mix of, of respect and kindness together with being confident and firm, right? This loving mix of respect and kindness together with being confident and firm. You speak the truth, but you do it in love. You're, you're thoughtful of the words that you use. I mean, we know, right? Words make all the difference, so the, the kind of words that you use. You're careful in your tone of voice and in your body language. And I think we all understand what I'm talking about. That makes all the difference in the world. And, and as well as you can, you choose the best time to have that conversation. Not your best time, but the best time for that person. So that's the right approach. And then you do it with the right result, and that is restoration. And so Paul writes, he said, um, brothers, if someone's caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. You don't, you don't have that conversation to put them in, in their place. You, know, you don't have that conversation to show them what's what. You know, so you can walk away from it, and you feel great, but they feel terrible. Okay, what you do is 
all about restoration is for them to become everything that God created them to be so that they can have absolutely the most joy-filled life possible and so that they can also be the most benefit to other people. See, I love this sixth principle. I just love it. I think it's, I think it's really smart. It's, it, it comes from God. Hate the right things in the right way. Hate the right things in the right way. There's so much wisdom wrapped into it. If you do this for yourself, you do it for another person, man, you've, you, you, know, you can give yourself a life that just maximizes everything that you can be. And if you do it in the right way with another person, you can help that person do the same. It's, it's great. It's a great principle. Hate the right things in the right way. Now, if you're here this morning and you're listening to all this and you're saying, boy, Steve, God, i got to tell you, all the, those things on that list, I'm still there. Man, I'm struggling with them big time. And I, I, if, if that's where you're at, what I want to say to you this morning is God loves you. God loves you more than you could imagine. You see, God's got this principle down perfectly. God not only loves you so much that he hates everything that can destroy your life, not only is that true, but God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to this earth to die on a cross to take whatever sin you have in your life on himself so that you can have God's forgiveness. And so this morning, what I can, what I can say to you is that if you're struggling with those things and you would say, man, Steve, that is me. I am, and I feel so far from God. What I can tell you today is you can have God's forgiveness. And not only that, you can have, you can have the power of God, the strength of God, the grace of God in you that enables you to live the kind of life that God would have you live. And you can, we're, we're going we're gonna, to, Rob's going to come out and Chris and the team and they're going to lead us in a, a final song of worship. And, and I'm going to pray as they, as they come out and you can, as I'm praying, you can pray a prayer this simple. You can say, God, that's me. I'm a sinner. And God, I need your forgiveness. And I put my trust in Jesus Christ. You can pray that prayer. Let me mention a couple other things. If, if you're at that point right now where you're just saying, man, I'm on this journey, Steve, and I've got a lot of questions about God and, and faith, we have, a, we have a small group time that we create on Sunday mornings, both hours, and we call it Explore. And it's an opportunity where you can, you can ask all the questions you've got about God, and nobody's going to look at you sideways. Um, and it's a time where you can really explore what is Christianity all about. We have a, we have a, a, a it, they, they go on both hours. And you can, uh, a, new, a new set of those uh, small group times are going to begin in November. And you can go online and you can sign up for that if that's something you would like. And then for all of us, um, I might just add, uh, uh, Jeff and myself, we always write uh, questions for small groups coming off this, uh, the sermons that we do. But those questions are available to you. You can pick them up. They're on the tables uh, as you walk out. And they might help you process a little bit more. What, um, what we talk about here Sunday morning, okay? Let's pray and, and then we'll worship, okay? Father, I, I thank you, I really do, for loving us 
so very much that you hate anything that destroys us. Father, you hate it. It's disgusting to you. And I thank you, God, that that's true. And I thank you, God, that you've made it possible through your son, Jesus Christ, for us to be able to have your forgiveness of all of the sin in our life. And it's possible, God, if we trust in Jesus Christ, for your Holy Spirit to come and live within us, to give us the strength and the grace and the wisdom we need to overcome every sin in our life. And Father, I pray if there's just one person or two people or more here this morning, and they're just saying, man, I need this. I ask, Father, that you would give them the courage and the confidence to ask you for your forgiveness and to tell you that they put their trust in Jesus Christ. I pray this, Father, for your glory and in Christ's name, amen.